This is the All Sports Podcast devoted to your favorite teams in North Texas. Welcome to Ballsy, a production of the Dallas Morning News and Sports Day. Our weekly show is proudly hosted. Okay, strike that. Our show is hosted by Kevin Sherrington, Evan Grant, and myself. I'm David Moore, and who knows, maybe we'll have a special guest or two along the way. Catch other episodes by subscribing to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. We're also on social media. Just search Ballsy Podcast on Facebook and Twitter, and you'll be notified of the latest episode. Don't forget, it's Ballsy with a Z. Are you ready, sports fans? Ballsy starts now. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Ballsy, the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast. I am Kevin Sherrington, joined in our Zoom podcast by Evan Grant. Say hello, Evan. Good morning, everybody. Oh, my God. Oh, what? And, and David Moore. Why is there always this awkward disconnect every single time? Hello, Kevin. Hello, Evan. See, see, see why can't you be like David, Evan? Why can't you? Why can't you just say hello and be normal? Yeah, yeah no words that have ever been uttered. Why don't you just be like David? <laughs> here's a here's a, the question, the thing that his parents have always said. Why can't you be normal? <laughs> I, thought social, I, I thought being socially awkward was in, or is that socially distant? Socially distant. Well, here's the thing, Evan. We've always wanted you to be socially distant. You know, people yeah. have always requested that of you, but it's just now that you finally got it. So anyway, so here we are. Uh, what what week are we in of uh, uh, being shut in? Is this is this week five? We are starting week five. Yeah, so. baseball season shut down on March twelfth. The NBA shut down on March after the games of March eleventh. So we are starting our second month here. Yeah, Wednesday was supposed to have been the last NBA regular season game, and then this weekend the uh, uh, the NBA playoffs were supposed to start. Uh, so we have uh, we have really wiped out uh, quite a bit of uh, what was left of the uh, NBA and uh, NHL seasons. Yeah, but and, you have wrestling. But we have wrestling, yeah. <laughs> David, tell us about what's going on in Florida. Well, uh, the, the governor of Florida, uh, Santos, issued a very narrow exception uh, coming out uh, earlier this week that allowed the WWE to find it as an essential business so it could conduct business without fans uh, while shelter in place is in effect for most of the state and really most of the country. As now I think for the, uh, for the other day, for the first time ever, there's a state of emergency in all 50 states. That has never been the case before, but, uh, but is now as of over the weekend but in florida you can still get your wwe and they had uh they had matches last night for the unbelievable and, and let me just say this it is um i, I think it is the most florida thing ever because <laughs> it, there is no business that is more essential in florida than professional wrestling um is that because of all the uh, snowbirds down there do they like wrestling what's the deal i not going to go into why they like wrestling down there. It's Florida. But uh, as, as our dear departed friend, Jerry Fraley, who grew up in the Clearwater area, um, knew that uh, Florida was um, 
a hotbed of wrestling, both for the old NWA and for the uh, then at, at that point in time, WWF. And so you kind of had everything coming together there. And mostly people were just out wrestling in the street. Oh, my gosh. For the heck of it. Um, and then, you know, when you had a lot of retirees coming down there, they they start wrestling over grocery carts. So were the, it was anything uh, in, in any, because, you know, I, I'm not exactly Mr. Wrestling. So it, were these Mr. guys menacing? was a great Hall of Fame wrestler in Georgia. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry I said to, that. have to declare between Mr. Wrestling number oh, my one gosh. and Mr. Wrestling number two. Yeah, this is really good. You know, you're you're dumping on Fraley uh, on the memory of Jerry Fraley and saying, "Oh yeah, he knew all about wrestling," and, and yet you're a, a virtual encyclopedia of wrestling yourself. Yes, I am. Yeah, that's what I thought. But here's a th- did these guys take tests? Did they do anything? Do, you know, were do, do you know? Did they just hey, you guys feel okay? All right, let's go out there and start wrestling. Uh, I don't know that the that the medical process was put put out there for the. Uh, uh, the TV viewing audience to assure their safety. I mean, you would uh, assume they had to, uh, you know, take some tests. But, but again, you know, as we've talked about, you know, I think it was last week. You're not going to have any of these sports come back until you can have, until you test everyone daily and you get the results of those tests immediately. Uh, until you have that environment, uh, I, you know, it's going to be at least the the medical professionals i've talked to said they don't envision a scenario where any of the sports can come back until you have that technology and that ability uh to to you know test daily and so you know they they may have said they've had tests or whatever again it's very interesting too because um you know i'm sure this has nothing to do with the fact that linda mcmahon who i believe is married to the head of the wwe i believe she was in the small business uh, uh, in the White House with uh, during the Trump White House. He was, the, uh, he was a nominee for the Small Business Administration. I, I don't remember if she ended up being... At least she actually person. served for two years, I believe. She, okay. I think so, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the interesting thing about the... And, and I don't think any league would test this at this point in time because it is all about health and welfare um, first. but. The interesting thing is when you open that avenue up to say that the WWE is an essential business, why could Major League Baseball not then basically sue if they wanted to, to play all of their season at the spring training sites and the Major League sites in Florida uh, under the same guys? Well, some people are saying maybe this was this was it. Maybe this was why this was narrowly written in. And this is the. This is the sport that leads to, okay, look, let's stage a major league season in Florida. Uh, because, look, that's one of the issues we talked about earlier, too. And, you know, this is in the, the NFL coming back as far as having when they will be cleared to have any offseason program that is not virtual. And it states that the NFL and the, and the Players Association agreed that if any of the 32 cities or states um, that you know, if it, they have anything in place that does not allow uh, the athletes to practice at the franchise's facility, none of the 32 can practice. Well, if you conduct an entire season in one state, now you have found a state that clearly, and look, and look, let's look at Florida again here too. They just opened up this window for wrestling 
what, about two weeks after they closed the window, but they made sure to close the window after spring break. So, I mean, they're, they're very receptive to uh, economic and entertainment concerns um, in the state of Florida. And, it, and it's very clear that they will make allowances and they're not going to be a state to say, well, no, we're going to shut this down unless absolutely forced to do it. So in some ways, this may be, does this crack the door for Major League Baseball to conduct a season in Florida? Evan, I wanted to ask you about this because of what happened uh, uh, in, in a very sad situation with Carl Anthony Towns, uh, uh, NBA star whose mother, only 59, uh, died of COVID-19 uh, symptoms. I wonder, it, it, do you have any idea if uh, if the union uh, or what the union's feelings are about this, this situation? I mean, it seems to me that this is the kind of thing that that a union is for. The union is is out should be out to protect the interests of players and represent them in a situation such as this, which has never really come up before. This kind of thing where this these guys are at risk if they if they do this now, uh, as David said, w- without having testing every day. Uh, and I'm wondering, someone like Carl, and I have no idea what his reaction is. Be he he did react to his mother's death in a very poignant and, and uh, memorable uh, response, but he didn't really say anything about, you know, how I, how he feels about uh, the prospects of playing basketball again this season. And, I, and I'm just wondering, uh, players such as, such as him, uh, who have been, who have seen the worst of this, what their reaction would be to the idea of going ahead and playing now and maybe risking themselves, other people as well. Um, at some point, does, don't these uh, don't these leagues have to take consideration? What are the people who are most at risk here? How do they feel about this? Yeah, it's um, it it it, it's, it comes down to some really difficult choices here along the way. I think there are I think there are a number of players, and I, I get the impression that there are a significant number of players who are willing to go ahead and play the season, not at this moment, not necessarily in two weeks. But here, once the curve is flattened a little bit and there is a better testing protocol in place, um, uh, last week, one situa- one proposal that was kind of floated out there again for the litmus test, I think, of, of public approval or, or public reaction was the idea of splitting the league up into uh, teams going to their various spring training sites and that the leagues would be radically realigned for this year with what amounts to a regular season cactus league and a regular season grapefruit league. Um, there are all kinds of problems associated with that, but at the same point in time, you would be able to um, maybe not have so many players isolated in one place and you'd be able to spread them out a little bit. Uh, but I don't know what the situation is going to be in Florida. You know, I think there have been some projections that Florida is going to be going to be a hot spot in, in the next couple of weeks. And so what happens if, if, if that takes place? Um, I think right now where the union stands on all this, the union is very aware of two things, that they are there to protect the players' welfare, but also their livelihood. And if baseball shuts down this year and doesn't play, those players are going to lose a lot of money. And so there is an element here of wanting to get the players as much earnings as they can if there's a balance of, of safety and, and well-being. And, and so that's the, the, the difficult choice that they're going to face is, 
I don't know that anybody's ever going to have a definitive answer unless you just blow off the entire year, wait till there's a vaccine, and and and, and then resume normal life. Um, at some point in time, you're going to have to take some degree of chances if you're going to play this year. I think players feel that that there is that there would be enough wellness checks and enough testing in place um, on a general sense. I mean, certainly none of the details have been worked out yet, but I think they've got that general sense that if all of that was in place, they would like to go and play. That's what they do. I think they also have a little bit more sense of beyond earning. I think they have a sense right now that there is a little bit of a mission because people are are a little bit starved. There's only so many jigsaw puzzles you can do, and there's only so many um, Netflix documentaries that, that you can watch before you start to go a little bit stir crazy. And I, I think that, that that baseball, in, in particular baseball, because it does have such a, a grand history in, in, in this country, seeing baseball, even with empty, empty stands, would represent some degree of a return to normalcy uh, for this country. But it still just comes down to when is the right time to strike, right? Yeah, I guess. Uh, but the, the issue for me, I'd just like to know what the rank and file thinks. I mean, we, we haven't heard how many people, how many players have we actually heard from who say, yeah, man, I'm ready to go. Whatever they say, I'm, my hand's up. I'm, you know, because if there's, if it doesn't have to be a lot of players, it only has to be, you know, four or five of a, uh, out of a team. Right. And then what if it's, what if Mike Trout says, you know what? No, I don't want to play. Uh, it's, this is too big a risk. I, I don't want to play. You know, the Angels are not going to play without Mike Trout. You know, I, I just, I just. What think, if his personal physician says, no, I don't think you should play? Yeah, absolutely. I just think there's so many questions here. And, and now we reach a point where. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you one example. Okay. I'll sit in here and give you one example. Brett Martin is type 1 diabetic. Rangers yeah, right. Type 1 diabetic. So technically, he would be in an elevated in an elevated case. I asked before the end of spring, before everything shut down, if there were, if there were concerns, the general, the general feeling was, and, and things have changed dramatically over the last month, but the general feeling at that point in time was he's in good, he's in good health. His diabetes is well managed, blah, 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 blah. But things have changed, right? We, we still don't have definitive answers on any of this. And I, I do think that those are going to be some, those may be some difficult questions for guys. And you may end up having teams um, with, place some guys who may have underlying conditions if you do get back and play for their own well-being, put them on the DL, uh, or I'm sorry, the injured list for the, for the duration of the year, pay them, but put them on the injured list to protect them so they don't have to participate. Yeah, yeah. people are coming from so many different spots now. Just as an example, uh, Chip Kelly, the UCLA coach, I believe late last week, uh, was talking about this, and they were talking about, well, what about a, a college football season with no fans? And, you know, Gavin Newsom has made it very clear that that he doesn't, you know, at this point, he doesn't see a, a point where he's comfortable saying at, at any timetable when they would come back. And I think we talked basically the, the county government in Santa Clara, which is where the 49ers were, uh, I believe one of their commissioners was quoted last week as saying, look, there's no way there's going to be any sports before Thanksgiving. And I'm not even sure Thanksgiving is a realistic, uh, you know, timetable. But, but I thought it was interesting because Chip Kelly said, and he, he was asked specifically, okay, well, what about playing a college season without fans? You could still, you could still do that. 
And he said, okay, so you're telling me it's not safe to have fans in the stands, but it's safe to have all of these football players on the field in close contact with each other. He said, I have a problem with that. So, you know, I, I think we just don't have enough information yet. And I think all sectors, I think players, coaches, uh, trainers, doctors, agents, uh, you know, players associations and the leagues, um, they just don't have enough information on any of this yet to, to come close to building a consensus. Completely agree there, on David. I, I think that we're all, you know, and we're talking here basically off the top of our head for, from the from the very most superficial of levels. And I think this is again, I pretty much do that for a living. Okay? <laughs> I was going to say that's yeah, that is our right. existence. What, what's your point? That's what we do. <laughs> Good point, Kevin. Good point. But I, I do think that you know on on this you're going to have to follow some some scientific expertise leadership here, and whether that's coming from the CDC and um, and Dr. Fauci, or or if that's coming from from league uh, health directors in conjunction with them, I I, I don't know and. And that's why I do think it's it's a little bit. I get what baseball from the baseball perspective. I think it's healthy for baseball to have people talking about the game and all these potential um, ways that you could get started because it keeps the game on people's minds. But I don't think it's terribly productive for people to say, "Well, this problem, that problem, this problem exists publicly," because they don't necessarily have all the answers and we're not going to get answers. I don't think on this for at least another month, we're still in the fact finding phase, right? Yeah. And that, so that brings up the point here and which was the kind of the point of the column I wrote for today, which was, we, we don't know when everything's going to start up, but we do know that at some point uh, things have to wrap up uh, because at some point you're, you're going to impact next season. And, and and I'm just wondering here, because this this was the point I made about the NBA in particular. You know, the, the playoffs take two months to play. Uh, it, the way it looks to me, uh, the earliest the NBA could get started playing actual games would be July 1st. I think that's a that's a, a best case scenario. Uh, so if it's two months to, to to do the playoffs, if you start on July 1st, and you're ending basically September the first. Well, training camp for next season starts or it, always scheduled to start pretty much at the end of September. Uh, so do you really want to finish something up and then turn right around and say, okay, here we go again, guys. Uh, you know, you're, you're back in the saddle uh, three weeks later. I, I just don't know. And then as I, as I noted, that's the best case scenario. I don't know that you in a season that's already been wrecked. I think there, I don't think there's any other way to describe this all now than it's all been wrecked. The, the NBA season has been the NHL season has been, baseball season has been to a large extent uh do we really want to impact next season by trying to resolve this one and and that's and that's the the question that i have i, I don't know when you have so many questions about the viability of doing this the safety aspects of it uh, you know the logistics of all of it trying to figure it all out is it really worth trying to get those things finished at this point, and certainly as we move forward with more indecision, and when it may have an impact on next season. Yeah, NBA and hockey, you really talk about, you're at the point now where they have to decide whether or not they want to compromise two seasons in some way, 
or sacrifice this season and then determine, okay, when can we start our next season, push it back to where maybe we're out of this window where this is an issue and, and uh, uh, the, the, you know, the, the competitive outcome of the next season is not compromised in any way. Baseball and football aren't really in that yet, but baseball is getting pretty close to it, I think, when, um, you know, that, that they're going to have to deal with this. But, but look, the NFL is, too, because there's not going to be a vaccine in the fall, and there's going. this is still going to be with us in the fall, and you would anticipate uh, a recurrence of this. It, I mean, it's happened in every other and since we've seen and any other virus that's come out, why wouldn't it happen with this one? So uh, th- that's a lot. Like I said, the focus is on, yeah, what, what are we doing right now? But behind the scenes, all, all, the, all these commissioners and, and, and league officials are going, hey, this is not just about this year. What about next season? I, I think that there's several factors in play here. Um, one, I think if, if you were the NBA and the NHL, um, I think you would want to get back in some regard. Now, would it be a full playoff schedule? No. Would you maybe go to limited teams in the playoffs, or would you do some one-game tournament-type game situations? Yeah. Is it going to be different? For sure. But I think there would be an appreciation um, for sports. And uh, I don't know. I, I think people would look at the season differently. I don't think people would view – champions as lesser champions i just think that they would view this season as as a different year in america um which is i think the proper way to look at it that that because of the circumstances there were different there were different ways to handle things um and and let me just say this uh, uh, on one end if you do pick up the basketball season go right into the playoffs and even if the playoffs say take a month or six weeks, and you shorten it, and maybe you've got some back-to-backs instead of, you know, the, the, the expanded playoff schedule that you have. Remember now, you've also missed basically a month and a half of the basketball season. Um, so would they, would players have a full off season? No. But would the stress on their body be a little bit different than it was if they had played a full season? Perhaps. I mean, I think that when you look at the baseball season, if you're talking about a shortened off season by a month or, or, or players only having two months off season, but they've played a 90 game schedule, their bodies are going to go into that, um, into that shorter off season, not nearly as worn down, not nearly as frayed on the arm. Um, so, so I think there's a, a whole bunch of different circumstances involved there that we really Again, since we're in uncharted uncharted waters here, don't really fully understand. Um, but I can tell you this: one thing I'm sure of is, you go to baseball owners and say you can get a third of the season in, uh, and they'll look at that and say, "Well, that's one third of ten billion dollars. That's three billion dollars in revenue. Sign us up." You're talking about TV revenue. I'm talking about the overall revenue for the game. Yeah. I, You'd, you'd obviously lose a significant amount of ticket revenue, and I, I don't know that we'd ever get to a point where you'd have full stands. Um, you can discuss whether or not you you know go to half half houses for the remainder of this year once you get to a point, or even a third of capacity, whatever. But my point is, some revenue beats no revenue for those guys. 
Well, that's the other driving force on NBA and NHL. And and I don't have a good feel for NHL economics, but but NBA is basically all, all of their budgets are set up to get as close as you can to break even in the regular season and where owners and franchises make their money is in the off season and in the playoffs. And that's why, in part, why they're so long in the NBA. And I think it's the same in the NHL. And, and NHL has even less margin of error to work with because their TV money is not as great as the other sports. And they're more in stadium. Uh, the, 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 the fans that actually show up in the stadium make up a larger percentage of what their overall gate is. Uh, really, for, than any other of uh, the other pro sports. So, right. you know, that that's part of the reason NBA and NHL seasons are so long and so many teams make the playoffs is because that is that really determines the financial viability for most teams in the league because the, the end of the regular season, just make all your fin- expenses fit there, don't lose money, and then you make money by going from that point forward. And so, so the, again, that's another consideration why owners are going to say, look, we got to get back and do something with this past season. Uh, we, we, we've, we've just got to. And, uh, but, but again, this virus is, is blowing up the way you look at everything and how you think of things. And um, it, it'll be interesting what ramifications there are in sports models going forward, maybe, and how they're constructed or, or, or what's put in place. I don't, I don't see how you can tell NBA, you know, the NBA uh, teams like the Mavericks who are a seventh seed right now. Yeah. We're just going to have four seeds. Sorry. Uh, you, you know, on each, from each uh, conference that, you know, that's, you, you think Mark Cuban is going to sit back for that? You know, that, that you're going to have big problems if you try to, to narrow that. I could see them blowing off the end of the season. You know, the, the Mavericks had 15 games left. I could see them saying, let's just, you know, let's just call it right here because there probably is enough difference between the eighth and ninth seeds on in both conferences. What what could you describe to a is is one game tournament? Well, I mean, you could, but you, the thing you're just talking about, and David was talking about, is that yeah, you, and this is true in most sports. You make your you make all your money in the playoffs, and the long and the further you get in the playoffs, that's when you make money. You know, you don't you don't even really make much money if you just get in. You know, you but have the to. To the season are all changed. Because of the cancellation of all those games from from the middle of March forward, too. I think that's, that's certainly true. I just, uh, you know, in the end, for all that, like, you can you can make some money, uh, uh, but you but you're not going to make anything. You're not going to come close to the recoup, recouping what you you've lost uh, at, at this point. And secondly, you, there, there's a risk factor involved here. And third. Uh, as far as uh, incredibility and integrity of the league and what these uh, what these playoffs mean, I just you know it reminds me a little bit of you know back in the old days and I'm trying to remember this was in the late 40s, early 50s uh, in Texas uh, high school football they had what they called the the big city division in which it was they were teams from from Dallas, Fort Worth, San Antonio, uh, and Houston, and uh, they were the the big schools and so. Uh, there was obviously a very small number of them. And th- I think that uh, that the big city league lasted, oh, two, three, four years, something like that. And uh, and essentially the teams that won those uh, state championships were not regarded as real state champions now, you know, because they was such a small field. They had, they only had so many teams competing. You only had to beat, you only had to go a couple of rounds to make the state finals. Uh, and then you're the you're the champion. 
And then they, what they did was they absorbed it right back in the, into the same strata that we see today with 1A, 2A, 3A, 4A, and, and so forth. Uh, and I, I just feel a little bit of the same thing here. If you, if you win an NBA title this year, NHL, NHL title, if you win, uh, you know, the World Series, uh, and, and, and let's just extend it on to the NFL if there's still uh, as many problems as we see now once the NFL season rolls around. If you're the champion of all this kind of stuff in some kind of compromised format, what does that really mean? You know, are does it does it matter as much if you if you were the champion and then the league that was proposed uh, it, with with teams playing in in Arizona and Florida, where the the Rangers, I believe, were in a were going to be in a division that was proposed in the USA Today story with Milwaukee, Seattle, Kansas City, San Diego, uh, you know. I, I, I'm not sure. It, it, it feels like some, some kind of intramurals thing. It doesn't really feel like this is real baseball and this is going to be a real championship. And if you win it all, this really does count. You are the World Series champion after an 80-game season playing in a, a state where you, you know, or in two different states where everything happened. Uh, and that was the format. I, I just don't, I don't, I don't really see the, uh, I, I don't really see that, that fans would get behind that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they would. Maybe they would just think it was it, it was it was just fine and it would count just like any other championship you would win. I don't know. I just I feel like it, I feel like fans will be appreciative of sports returning. They will they will appreciate it for what it's worth. If 40 years from now people want to argue whether or not this is a real world championship for somebody who wins it. Hey, that's that's their prerogative. I think right now, in the short term, the the quicker that we are without putting significant without putting significant numbers of people at risk, really, you know, without putting anybody at risk, um, an elevated risk, that we can return to some degree of normalcy. Uh, that's going to be a victory for fans, and and that's how I feel like they're going to look at it. Um, and if people want to, if, if, uh, look, if, if the Kansas City Royals won the World Series this year and people wanted to look at askance at the Kansas City Royals for doing that, that's their issue. But I do think that fans would be appreciative of having games back. And I do believe they would support just the idea of this is sports in America. This is what we love. Um, that, that's just my feeling, Kevin. But here's one that kind of splits the middle between both of you, which is, so let's say there is a Major League Baseball season is played in either Arizona or Florida. Certainly, Ranger season ticket holders will still watch a lot of those games, but will they still have the same emotional attachment to this season or the fans that go to 10, 15, 20, 25 games a season, will they still be as excited and have the attachment to watching their team play in Florida versus actually having the communal experience of going to those games? Because I, I, would, I would say the people that pay for those games, they're going for a lot more than just the actual baseball. It's everything else that goes with it. Yeah, I mean, listen, I I get the idea of playing in in front of empty stadiums, and I watched a couple innings of a Korean 
uh, baseball game this morning, uh, played in front of empty stands. I don't like it. It's not, it, it, you know, it, it's weird. Um, and I think you raise, you raise a good point. Um, but I don't know that there are any other options. It's either that or, or just shut down, right? Sure. You would accept it, but I'm just saying what, what, no, the attachment. How would the individual fan? I mean, it's going to be different. I mean, they'll enjoy it, but it, it's not going to be the same attachment that it would of another season. I, I listen. I'll, I'll I'll give you this, David. I'll give you my own personal quarantine story. Right. So, 1983, I was I graduated from high school, and I was supposed to go to the University of Georgia that fall. Um, I had my first real serious Crohn's disease flare up, and I was in the hospital all summer with a uh, with a staph infection. So I was basically quarantined. I couldn't go. I was supposed to be an usher at, at Atlanta Fulton County Stadium, all of that. I probably felt more attachment to that 83 team than I did to the 82 team because they gave me a lifeline back to the normal world, even though I couldn't go to the, uh, even though I couldn't go to the game. And so I think that there will be, I, I think it really depends on, on personalities and, and where you are in, in your life. There, there will be some people right now who are taking everything i think we're we all fight this right we're all at home now we're getting to spend more time with our families we're very appreciative of that at the same time there are times where god i just wish i could do this wish i could do that and you fight that i think for some people it's going to come down to i appreciate the sports for i, I appreciate sport for coming back and giving me something versus other people who would say if I can't go to the games, then I'm not interested. And I think that's an individual kind of kind of decision. I, I err if I err any side this this point or lean in one way. I'm hoping that people are just going to be more appreciative in general. I think people will listen. You know, we're watching an awful lot of Chicago PD in my, in our house. Uh, we 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 started at z- I started at zero when all this started, and now I think I you know Debbie and I have were taping them all i'd say we've seen this one we've seen this one here kill that one we've seen that we've seen that one we we've seen it seems like we've seen like 150 episodes of it so far and i don't even think they've made that many that guy uh, still talk with a real rasp yeah yeah that jason whatever is it how you ever pronounce his last name uh yeah, you know that that he he got that after an accident you know that right yeah, he didn't that was the point there, yeah, that's exciting. That I know all this kind of stuff now. But anyway, uh, my my point is, yeah. I, I listen. I, I love you know Evan. You know this. I love baseball. I love I love watching the games, whether it's in person or on TV in the summers. That's that's what that's what I do. I like to go in and watch baseball games. It, it, it's fun, uh, and it's just kind of a you know. Uh, the great thing about sports is that it's a, it's a different story every night, right? You know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. And and, and, and that's, and, and listen, I love the theater. I love movies. I love all of that. But you know what's going to happen, you know? And, and, and this stuff, you don't. And that's what's so great about it. And so, as you noted, the individual games themselves, that would be fun to watch. I just don't feel like that in the end that I, I think fans are going to realize, so, so what does this all mean when it's all over? You know, I, I think that there will be a feeling among a lot of fans that, yes, I'm glad it's back. I think there will be a feeling from a lot of fans is what does it mean? I'm, I'm getting emails from people 
I got one. I got one this morning from from a guy who said, "You know what? I'm a huge fan." And he went on about all the things he likes about sports. And he says, "And I really do, do just think they should cancel all sports for the rest of this year." And I just think that that's a I think that's a feeling that that a lot of fans have now. And I think one of the things that I have uh, I've felt about all this as as time has gone by here in this month of uh, being shut in is that yeah I, I do miss all this kind of stuff. But I also, I, I feel less like it is going to start up. You know, I, at, at first I thought, oh, you know, there's a good possibility that, that something can be worked out. I, I wrote a column talking to Kim Mulkey about uh, the fact that she, she thought that, well, we should be able, they shouldn't have canceled the season. They shouldn't have canceled the tournament. They should have made it uh, available to us in June uh, and we could have played it in July. And, and I thought that was perfectly reasonable at the time to think that was a possibility. I just don't really feel like now looking back on it, I, I think that was wrong. I, I think that probably the NCAA did the right thing. Uh, I don't know that they knew they were doing the right thing. I think they just thought this is the easy way out for them to say, let's just cut it. Let's just call it quits now, you know, while we can. Uh, I think that's just their natural reaction mode is to do that kind of thing. But in the end, I think they, they probably did do the right thing. I, I, I just feel like uh, that, that, that so that the sports has been so compromised this year uh, and that in some ways, even talking about doing these things, the possibility of these, of these answers seems a little disrespectful. I, I, I feel like that, that, that is as important as sports are, at least they, they certainly are to us, but we're a little bit skewed in our viewpoints on all, all that kind of thing. I, I think that we that we should try to, to probably understand a little bit better the uh, the rest of the world and what what it's going through and and, and what our uh, economy is going through. And I, and I realize these are all things that that'd be good. You know, we we heard all that. We know that through every tragedy in, in America, uh, we've been told that sports must go on. That after President Kennedy was shot, that the game should, should go on. And of course, we've heard from a lot of people who've said since then that the NFL uh, games should not have been played right, right after that. Um, we, we heard that after 9-11, that we should bounce back and, and move forward. And, and, those, and, and the reasons for that was because that was in the face of things, uh, of, of people who were trying to, to tear down our way of life and to, and to intimidate us. And in our own way of, of, of pushing forward, we were actually fighting against that. Well, this is not that kind of foe. It, it's something completely different, and we, we don't have a handle on it, and, and we don't really know what to do with it. You know, I know that, that my in my own personal experience, I didn't take it seriously enough at first. It was it was my feeling that well, the, from everything we knew about it, it was just something that oh, you'll you'll have some mild symptoms unless you're uh, an older person with really significant issues. And uh, and then the, it could be a problem for you then, but it's it's still extremely rare. Well, what I've since found out is that I am an old person with significant issues, uh, and and uh, and it does frighten me a little bit now. Uh, at least it, it does now more than it did before. When I see what's happened to people, uh, and I read the stories of things that have happened to people, just uh, just the other day, uh, Evan had uh, texted me about this. A uh, a form the parent of a former here. Hill- of two former Hillcrest students, uh, uh, he uh, died over the weekend. We don't know uh, yet exactly what he died of, if it was uh, COVID-19 or not. They, they're awaiting the test of that. 
but uh, uh, Miles Warnock uh, was, I believe, 65 years old uh, and didn't have any underlying conditions that, that any of us knew about. Uh, a, a great guy, uh, a great teacher, and a, and a great person, a great family man. Uh, just comes from a, a great family. So, you know, when things like this happen, uh, it just, you hate to say this, it just becomes more real to you all the time. Uh, and, and it should have been real to us all along. Uh, and uh, and I, I feel just as guilty as anybody else about not taking it more seriously uh, from the very beginning. Uh, but, you know, we, we, we you, you encounter so many things in life and so many hardships and trials. You, you try not to, to crawl under a rock every time something happens. Uh, this time we've kind of had to crawl under a rock and, uh, and it's just been such kind of an eye opener for me that it, it really does give me pause about the future of these sports right now and the importance of, of trying to resume something that's already been so compromised. Well, the, the service, and we've talked about this before, the, the service industry, the restaurants, uh, they were hit in the first wave. This was the first wave of, of the pandemic. Uh, sports is going to be hit on the back end. They're going, them, uh, con performances, concert performances, anything with large gatherings, uh, fall festivals, spring festivals, all of these are going to be the last thing to come back. Um, and and you're you're going to look at that model going forward. You know, one of the first things that was canceled here in the state that was significant was South by Southwest. Yeah. Now, how is South by Southwest going to be constructed going forward? Do they just pick up where they left off and like this year's a blip or is it going to be different? And, and you know, sports teams are going to have to do this, too. I mean, the, the Cowboys, one example, it's not just it's not just the people who have seats. They also do those party pass uh, tickets where you can pay a lot less and it's the excitement of everyone running into the stadium when the doors open. So they stand, they stack together uh, and they're, they're side by side standing for four hours and you can, that can be up to like five, six. And, and at times it's been up to like 9,000 to 10,000 people there. Are you going to have that anymore? Uh, and, and, the Cowboys aren't unique in that. There are a lot of stadiums that have uh, and events that, that have those sort of things because it's about the energy and the excitement of it. Well, no, I, I was in, in um, when the Rangers were in the process of designing Globe Life Field, um, the Cowboys stadium was mentioned as an example. And that the idea was that a lot of, um, and I'm not using this as a dirty word, uh, but a lot of millennials like don't don't want to have to be forced to sit down they want to be able to move around and, and and do those kinds of things and that there was more of a trend in stadium design towards those kinds of places you see um truest park in atlanta uh the the most recent baseball stadium to open before globe life field there's a lot of standing room there um and, and so those are all those are all things that are going to have to be con considered and i i certainly do think when you do allow fans back in, it's, it's also going to be somewhat gradual. Uh, I don't know that you're just going to say, uh, we'll sell standing room, we'll, sell, we'll jam as many people in here as we can. Um, I think you may have to make some arrangements around bathroom access, and, and you may have to make some, access, some, some arrangements around how concessions are, are, are going to be handled. 
um, there's going to be a lot of changes to to any industry in which there is is service and and, and large groups of people. Um, initially, I, hey, I just watched I, I just watched a rough cut of our next edition of Meet with the Press, and in there, you know, we shot this in in mid February before spring training started. But I'm giving Corey Hunter a hug. I'm shaking hands with Elvis Andrus. And it look it just looks weird to me now to be shaking hands with somebody. So a lot of our a lot of our customs, a lot of our a lot of things we're used to, there's gonna be some change and some real slow uh, easing back into some of those ideas. I'm never shaking hands with Kevin again. No, I, well, I, I, have you noticed I don't even come within six feet of you, and I haven't really in at least four or five years. Uh, but anyway, uh, I think, I think, frankly, Zoom from now on should be the best way for me to contact you anyway. And by the way, Evan, if they had these baseball games out in Arizona, is that are you going to be out there then the, the entire time? Is that what you're angling for, so you can spend your whole time uh, puttering around Surprise Arizona? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the what the access would be like if they would. You know, I don't even think we've gotten to that point where um, where we would be talking about whether or not media would be there because you're not going to be in the locker room. Yeah, I mean, after games. No. So who who knows what, what the situation will be? Well, that would certainly be, you know, I talked about the concerns of the players. The fact that Evan would not be in the clubhouse after the game certainly would be in the best interest of the players. It would be. Yeah, that's a good yeah, starting from point. A serious, yeah. From a serious perspective on this regarding the media, um, I think that it would behoove the league. Um, the sooner the better to make players as accessible and to make their leagues as accessible to people as possible just because of this, because there has been such a long disconnect. Now, how do you do that safely? How do you do that with, with independent media? I don't know, but those are all those are all legitimate concerns. And those are concerns we're going to take up another day. We've taken up enough of your time. We appreciate everybody coming in and listening to Ballsy today. We're going to have another Ballsy uh, podcast later this week. We're going to talk about the Cowboys draft. It's coming up very soon, April the 23rd. Uh, Jerry will be conducting it from his living room. Is that correct, David? Or do you know that for sure? He'll he'll be at his house. Yeah, I, I assume he he has. He has more than one room in his house. I believe. Does he really? So, is that yeah. is that place that big? Oh, I wasn't he may sure. be doing it from his library or his game room, or <laughs> maybe he'll do it like Kevin did. Like he'll walk through the house, just walk through the house and show everybody what he. <laughs> What's well, that? Would be great, wouldn't it? I'd love that. Here's my hey. Neiman that I paid eleven million dollars for. Yeah, here's my question that I ask in, in my newsletter, which goes out on Mondays, by the way. It's a plug for for that for my a la carte. If, if if Roger Goodell is going to be doing the draft from his basement, can he still hear the booze down there? They are actually, my understanding is they're going to pipe in like 10 fans on each uh, for each player. So certainly the, the Jets fans will boo whoever it is they pick. Oh, no kidding. That is going to be so great. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this uh, edition of our Ballsy Podcast. We thanks everybody for listening in and uh, take care and stay hunkered down. <laughs>